Hi, friends. Welcome. I just finished up a lovely conversation with Jesse Hunt. He has a podcast called The Road Travel Podcast, a show about human experience. And on there, he has conversations with creative folks as well as people you wouldn't traditionally consider to be creative folks. And they talk about uh, the creative process and the non-creative process. And it's a very authentic, calm experience. And he has a very authentic, calm personality. And I enjoy listening to him talk and sharing his ideas. It's, It's just got a nice thing to it. And I would encourage you to check it out. I first came across his podcast via the YouTube component of said podcast, and the production quality on the videos of these episodes is so amazing and inspiring. He has these beautiful, warm skin tones, lighting, of course, audio quality. It Everything just feels so nice. He's in a dark room. You just feel like you want to sit down with him with a cup of coffee and listen to what he has to share. His intro is a a cassette tape, old school thing where you plug in your headphones, listen to the cassette tape. It says podcast on it, and it's creative and interesting, uh, warmness, life. (laughs) He, uh, He makes these trailers for Instagram for his podcast guests, and the trailers look like movies. They're ridiculous. I really like what he's up to. Anyway, I had a fantastic conversation with him about his podcast, what made him want to have these conversations, and what made him want to get into uh, being a director at an independent production company from Toronto as well, and what he's learned from that. He had a lot of interesting thoughts to share. I would encourage you to um, check out everything he's up to. Enjoy. How's it going, man? I'm great. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. Uh, tell me about tell me about this interesting thing that happened in your life because I came across your podcast yesterday. And by the way, I've listened to a cup. I've listened to at least a few minutes of every single podcast that you've put out so far. Just so oh, wow. you know, yeah. Uh, in in the past 24 hours ish. But the first one I came across was your first one, and this was the one where you were talking about your uh, experience with going into kidney failure, and that right. you had to get new kidneys, and yeah. that it was a, sort of a four-way swap kidney giving situation, which sounds dramatic. And <laughs> I, I, I didn't want to necessarily go into uh, the story in full detail because. Uh, I want people to be able to go listen to that. On You did a great job on your podcast. Thank you. Uh, but I want to talk about what you feel like you learned from that experience. Um, yeah, I think it's probably uh, similar to what a lot of people would say, the classic, you learn to appreciate life a little bit more. Uh, it's it's interesting. It's um, That happened about eight years ago. And if you were to ask me then what I learned, it would probably be a lot different than what I would say that I have learned now. And I think that is because you tend to learn things as time goes on. And what I mean by that is you have this big experience and it changes your life and and you go through this big thing. But then down the road over the years, as other things happen to you, 
and I'm, I'm having a hard time coming up with anything specific, but you, you start to attribute that to, oh, you know what, I think I, I you, it, maybe it's more like this. You learn things about yourself that you can attribute back to that one instance in your life. So, mm. for, so for example, maybe it's like I've learned that I'm, I'm quite patient. And I think that going through that, uh, because it was a long process, lots of waiting, lots of ups and downs and stuff like that. I think because of that, I learned how to be a patient person. And over the years, I kind of, you know, honed that a little bit and realized that about myself. And now, you know, I'm aware of it. Mm-hmm. So it's probably more things like that rather mm-hmm. than any one specific oh, this is how you do this, this is how you do that kind of thing, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I feel like when you go through traumatic experiences over time, sort of through the osmosis of life, mm-hmm. you end up in positions where you're you're doing the dishes one day and you you just have a thought. You're like, oh yeah. yeah, that's something that came about and I can trace it back to that dramatic experience in my life. 100%, 100%. Yeah, and did going through that for you, change the way you look at what meaning is and what you're trying to pursue with with what you create yeah uh definitely i think uh a big thing for me is doing things in an authentic way whether that be the stories that i'm telling the way that i'm shooting um you know anything it has to be in a way that comes across as authentic and real uh and i think that uh also finding experiences, you know, if I'm doing a documentary, the things that resonate with me are, are things that people are going through that I can relate to. So maybe it's not the exact same story, the, not the exact same scenario or whatever it may be, but uh, because of my experience, I may be able to relate to it on a different level. Um, so for example, uh, I my main career is I'm a commercial director and I've had the opportunity to, to do uh, three or four healthcare related spots and, uh, or, you know, documentaries. I just finished a documentary for a hospital here in Toronto. And, um, I'm able to resonate with those, I think on a deeper Mm -hmm. level because of my experience. And I think that's the reason that I do get some of those jobs because, um, I have that connection and I can empathize with the people that I'm, you know, whether it's a story that I'm telling or the people that I'm working with, Mm -hmm. uh, because of my experience. And, and I will say that, um, I am very passionate about telling those stories and being involved in those projects. Mm. So I, t- I do tend to gravitate to them. Mm. Did, do you see it as more of a, a blessing or a curse in your life that you went through that? Blessing. Blessing? Yeah. Now, is that because you're a particularly optimistic human or is that, <laughs> is that, because, uh, that, is that because you see the benefits that came about? Um, a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B probably. Okay. Uh, I like it. I think that, yes, I, I, there are definitely people that uh, could have that experience and find a way to make it a miserable one. Uh, and by no means was it easy. Like I said, if you had asked me eight years ago when I was going through this, um, I may have had a different answer for you. And I remember thinking about it, actually, like, I wonder if this is going to be one of these experiences that I look back on and say, oh, well, I'm, I'm glad I, you know, had this opportunity. But, hey, you can make doing the laundry a miserable experience if you want to. So it's all exactly. perspective. Yeah, exactly. It, and that's exactly what it is. And I've um, I've just decided that, you know, it happened and it was a unique thing that for a while defined who I was. But it doesn't really define who I am anymore. Uh, it, is this, it is this experience that I can relate to, I can draw from. 
I can talk about and um, use to benefit my life in ways. But like, I don't, I don't think about it that often in a weird way. So, um, but I will say that I, I you know, who thinks about their kidneys all the time, you know, uh, I mean, I'm thing. sure you did at that when you were in the middle of it, <laughs> probably oh, thinking yeah. about your kidneys for uh, enough lifetimes of another person thinking about their kidneys. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And it's a, it's an interesting, uh, situation where, uh, transplanted kidneys, they only last on average 15 years. So I'm going to have to have it again. And so there are instances, uh, where, I'll start, you know, if, I, if I'm getting sick or something like that, I start worrying like, oh no, am I, are my kidneys failing again? Am I going to have to do this all over again? Uh, it hasn't happened yet. So, um, so those are times I do think about it and dwell on it a little bit, but for the most part, it is a, uh, a I think something that I went through that, you know, it made my family closer. It changed my lifestyle because everybody's like, I don't know, I didn't eat super healthy before. I wasn't, you know, super physically active. I was as a kid, but, uh, you know, things change. And now I'm, I'm way more aware of those things. Uh, and so, and same with my family, like we're all extremely healthy eaters, healthy individuals, and trying to make the most out of this life. And that may have contributed, that experience may have contributed to that. Mm. Now, when you get to the place where you may have to get another kidney transplant, is that something that you will be more prepared for because you've put in the proper or is it still like I need to be it's like the right place at the right time kind of thing uh well I'm certainly going to document it this time <laughs> yeah <laughs> but like you know if you're on a list right I mean obviously you can't I don't feel like you can maybe you can maybe you can coordinate with your your friend Jim over here with his kidneys and say hey I'm going to need your kidneys in about 10 years you, you know, we'll get together that's, when the time yeah, comes. That's an ongoing joke that I have with people. <laughs> okay. I might need your kidneys. Yeah, exactly. Um, you really got to know who your friends are. It's tough to plan for, though. Like uh, like you mentioned before, the one before was a four-way swap. So uh, my dad was involved. Uh, to become a kidney donor, it's 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 an intense process. It's about a year-long process of testing and, and stuff like that. And it's quite an invasive surgery. So um, when I was sick, Originally, there were a lot of people that, you know, put their hands up and were saying, oh, I'm willing to donate. Let's do this kind of thing. But I don't think people really fully grasp the uh, intensity of the situation. Mm -hmm. So um, the ideal scenario, I guess, to answer your question is to uh, is to find somebody, like you said, that would be willing to donate because the list here in Canada, uh, Ontario, specifically the province I live in, it's about 11 years long as far as like. Mm. people waiting that long so it's always like for somebody to like to get a deceased donor uh so it's always better to find a living donor mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and what uh did you ever gain some clarity on why it happened in the first place no the they didn't really figure it out it's interesting so um apparently i had been living off of one kidney for the majority of my life but all of my doctors just kind of missed that somehow mm -hmm. I don't know how, but you know, whatever. Uh, and then, um, I think so, so you could, if you would have caught it early, it, it could have been more preventable or it could have been less serious. Yes, mm -hmm. I, exactly. So they didn't find out, they didn't figure that out until I was far down the road of my only working kidney failing. When I found out it was like 7%, I think, mm -hmm. uh, kidney function. So wow. it was way, it was way too late. They tried to like, they put me on a bunch of drugs to try and like kickstart it again, but it just didn't work. So, yeah. um, so yeah, but they didn't really, they have, they have theories of why they think it happened, but they, nobody really knows what the root cause was. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, 
I mean, we could go two directions with this podcast. We could do the James <laughs> Red Healthcare podcast, but I also want to talk about your podcast and yeah, no, what you've been up to. Let's get into uh, some creative talk. <laughs> yeah, let's get to script. But that's fascinating. I love learning about everything, and it's I, I was curious to hear how that plays out logistically. Um, and I, I've been, you know, I've been wrestling with like smaller, <laughs> much smaller things that involve health and just feeling like what's going on with my body and I like I've just been having some digestive issues for example and so mm -hmm. to hear and I, I think I figured it out I think it was gluten and dairy or okay, yeah. one of the two and I removed both of them and I'm I think I'm getting a lot better now but good, good, good. but until you go through something whether it uh, whether it is kidney failure or whether it's something that's just a confusing medical situation you don't know what it feels like to be so confused about what's happening to your body. Because if you're a millennial, you're used to your body just working. Yeah. Right? So when, oh, that, yeah. when that comes around, it's like, man, you have to have a strong emotional uh, foundation, I think, to deal with that stuff. 100%. It, well, like you said, it's we maybe don't pay enough attention to our bodies. And so when somebody throws something at you, like I'll use my example, when the doctor says, oh, it appears that you're in kidney failure, I was kind of like, okay, so what's a kidney? Like I knew that we had kidneys, but like you don't know what they do, yeah. right? It's, yeah. You just don't know all these intricate things about your body. So at first it was kind of like, okay, that, that sounds bad. So what's the game plan? Mm -hmm. Then they start talking surgery and crap like that. And you're like, oh, like, okay, oh my gosh. Yeah, maybe a little bit more serious. Maybe I should pay attention. Right, right. Yeah. Okay, so on to your podcast. I... Uh, you have a podcast called The Road Less Traveled Podcast, a show about human experience. Well, the, it's actually called oh. The Road Traveled. <laughs> oh, The Road yeah. Traveled, and then you took out the, oh, I, okay. I crossed out the less because that, like, The Road Less Traveled is actually, um, it's, it's a popular term. People say it a lot. And mine is kind of like bucking that trend of, all right, we're always, we're always interested in people doing these, like, rare, obscure uh, crazy things with their lives, but I was just like, no, nah, I just want to talk to people and talk about their experiences in their lives. It may be common, it may not be common, uh, but it's talking about the road that they have traveled, essentially. Mm, okay, so it's just, fascinating. Yeah, it's a, play, it's a play on the, the 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 popular term. I see. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's that's helpful, and I think that what that speaks to is the fact that we all share commonalities about our roads that we're traveling. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, and I love how you have you have conversations with creative folks. Uh, that's what I try to be up to here. And mm -hmm. I came across your YouTube component of that podcast, and I was just blown away by the production quality and the lighting and that sort of thing. I was telling you about that a bit before we started. Uh, but I'm, I'm curious, what was, why did you decide to start? What curiosity in you made this interesting? as a way to go, as opposed to going the way that a lot of creators, especially creators who work at a production company would go, which is like, I'm going to make a four minute short film about my trip to the Philippines and put the music and the, you know, yeah, the yeah. crazy transitions and such. You decided to sit down with some people and have intimate conversations. And that is interesting to me. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting because the last year around this time, uh, I wrote out my 2018 goals uh, and stuck them on post-it notes on my wall, and one of them was start a podcast. And uh, that sit on, sat on that wall for the better part of the year until November when I decided, okay, maybe I should 
give this a try now. Uh, I wanted to do it for a while, but I had a hard time coming up with the theme. And it was just, I'm sure you know this, it, it's, it's tough. You wrestle with ideas of all these different directions you could take, uh, whatever it is that you're creating in. Uh, and that's what maybe I'm a little bit guilty with with a lot of the projects that I have. It's always kind of a wrestle ma- wrestling match between like, oh, I have this idea, but I could do it this way or I could do it this way. And then it ends up never getting done. I feel like I have um, I feel like I have 10 different directions I can go at any given time in my exactly. life. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So you kind of just have to like lock in on something a little bit and go after it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember coming across this uh, this YouTube creator, Matt Diavella. I'm not sure if you've heard of him. I've heard he, the name. I haven't really uh, watched his stuff, but I've heard the name. I'll have yeah, to check him out more. Definitely, yeah. Uh, and I just saw how he was doing podcasts, and uh, that really inspired me in the sense that he also he talks to a lot of creators, um, whereas uh, my, my general network at the moment is mostly filled up with creators, so that's kind of what fills my podcast at the moment. But I am also looking to expand that and talk to really anybody the last guy I had on the podcast the guy I released or the episode I released yesterday he's um he is a consultant a humanitarian consultant so he just went to South Sudan mm-hmm. and he's about to move to New York and start working at the UN so really nothing to do with uh creative endeavors like what we're used to but at the same time a very interesting path that he's going down from a career perspective and so we talked a lot about the experiences that he had that led him to where he is now and I think that's more or less what I want to do with this is just talk to people that have um, it doesn't even have to be a very like a grand elaborate thing I've asked a few people to come on and then they've listened to my pot like my first episode and they say oh well I don't have a story like yours hmm. and I always have to say well it's not about like you don't have to have a super intense story this is more about relating to everybody that's listening and you know there may be somebody out there that relates perfectly to your story and the stuff that you've gone through into where you are now and wants to be doing what you're doing and so that's kind of the direction that I want to take it and not specifically creative although there are lots of creatives that I talk to um but more so just exploring you know everybody's lifestyle and that you know the roads that they go down and how people can relate to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what well, and you actually do a great job at diversifying the people that you have on there. And there was one girl where I, I remember reading that she climbed Kilimanjaro, and you guys spoke about that a little bit. And then yep. you guys spoke about uh, her uh, business as well, which I forget what the business was about. What was it again? Make lemonade. It's uh, so it's an all women's co-working space here in Toronto, mm. which is I went and visited the place. It's it's super cool. Mm, okay, okay, yeah, that's a great name, and I like yellow, so I'm sure I'm sure there's yellow branding everywhere. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, so, what drew you to somebody like her? Uh, uh, well, interestingly enough, a lot of the people I've had on the show so far are people that I have known mm. for a while. So a lot of them are my friends. I'm lucky enough to have a lot of friends that are doing cool things. Um, and start and close and move far gradually. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So Rachel grew up down the street from me and, uh, and then we kind of lost touch for the better part of 10 years. And then she started dating one of my good friends. And so we kind of started interacting again. Mm. I got to see what she was up to and I thought, Hey, that's, that's really cool. And interestingly enough, I kind of asked her to come on just based on like, oh, you're an entrepreneur. You've built this really cool thing in a city that's very hard to build something like that. And you took a huge risk. Let's talk about it. And then she came on and unleashed all of this other information, all these other experiences that she had in the 10 years we hadn't talked. 
And I was like, whoa, this podcast just got real. Like this is, this was really cool. And that's the kind of stuff I'm after. Cause like I kind of go into these, these shows and I'm sure you're very similar where I have like maybe one or two main talking points, but what makes them interesting is the conversation, the natural conversation that comes mm-hmm. out of them. Spontaneity. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, people kind of get psyched up and like worried when they come onto the show. And I, I try to do my best to, you know, whether that's giving them a glass of wine or some scotch or some beer, just to like, Hey, you know, we're just hanging out. There happens to be a couple of cameras. <laughs> I just see somebody but... coming on and they're just plastered. They have way too much. <laughs> it's it, there, yeah, there Kilimanjaro. Yeah, there's been a few instances where that has been uh it's been close where I've had to like stop drinking and being like, Okay, okay. I have to keep hosting this. Let's Maybe keep this stop. <laughs> let's make this continue to be a coherent conversation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think we're gonna start talking about your relationships in the past and that's not quite where we wanna go with this. <laughs> yeah, not but, a relationship advisor here. Yeah. No, that's interesting and I I feel uh, do you listen to the Joe Rogan podcast at all? Uh, I I dabble here and there when he has somebody on it that I'm interested in. He'll do this. It, he'll do the same thing because he's just about creating a conversation with somebody. And so I mean, he'll you know he'll give them he'll give them wine or he'll give them weed. Like yeah, <laughs> that's what, yeah exactly. You know. Uh, okay, and and with so what do you what do you hope to pull out of people as you're having these conversations with them? Um. Well, it's interesting because when I first started this, uh, first started recording them, I had maybe four or five people come in almost back to back to back in one week. Mm-hmm. And I started realizing that everybody was, there's a lot of people that were saying, they were, were talking about their experiences and how they learned something from it. Uh, but the lesson that they learned was the same as the person I talked to yesterday or the mm-hmm. next day. They all had a very similar end uh, what's the proper term? Like the uh, end product, yeah, I yeah, guess. Yeah, in, in lesson to share with the the people. Exactly, exactly. But they all got there in a very different way. Mm. And I started like I got to experience it and see it firsthand because I kept hearing these things and seeing them, uh, like day after day after day. And I was like, oh, this is really interesting. This is very cool. And I think, um, I think that that is something that I'm after is just these these similar lessons that people learn but they all get there in a different way Mm -hmm. and we're all different we all we're all you know living a different life but being able to draw a similarity maybe not the exact same thing but draw similarity in something that I've done to something that I look up somebody that I look up to or somebody that I respect as far as what they're doing with their lives or in their career or whatever it may be I personally get something from that. And I think that is something that I would like to provide to people that are checking out the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so what are your goals moving forward for the podcast? Uh, what do you, what do you hope it, it becomes? Just something consistent. I think, mm-hmm. uh, right now this, uh, but over and over. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's interesting because a lot of the people that I've had on it so far, and I've, I, I have, I think four that are, are, are recorded and I haven't released them yet. Um, a lot of, like I said, a lot of the people I have on, on them right now are people that I am acquaintances with are friends with, uh, that are all doing really, really great things. Um, I think I would like to keep building it to keep including those kinds of people. I would like to try and, and wrangle a few people that, you know, have a bit more of like a, uh, a following, so to speak. Uh, maybe not a following. A following is not the right word. It's, it's people that are maybe um, further along 
in their lives and as far as what they're doing, you know, if I, I, for example, if I was interviewing a director right now, one of my friends that's a really good director, I would love to interview a version of him that's 10 years ahead kind of thing, mm. right? Somebody that's maybe a little bit more successful and that's not to say that they're not successful. It's just, just to have that broad scope of, of, of people. So, um, but I don't know, there isn't really an end goal to this. I think that's the benefit to what it is, the style that it is. It's just right now, it's just trying to learn from people, just keep having conversations with people, not overcomplicate it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and what do you, do you think there's something about your personality that lends to having a curiosity for other people? Uh, I would hope so. Um, like my background is in video production. Uh, I've shot documentaries and I do a lot of commercial work right now. Um, and I think that my personality lends itself to that uh, because it's very similar. Uh, I, I, I view I view podcasts in the way that I do them, at least a little bit like I'm shooting a documentary mm-hmm. uh, without you know running around shooting a whole bunch of visuals with it it's just if i was sitting there doing an interview with somebody asking them questions i'm doing a little bit of research beforehand so i don't sound like a complete idiot going into it and um and try to find things that i can relate to to spark up that conversation and so i think that uh like you said like my curiosity as it like comes from or like in a similar way that i apply it to directing uh, films or commercials, whatever it may be, uh, I try to apply the same thing into podcasts. Although it is very invigorating to start up a, uh, an interview with somebody with, uh, so what do you do? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to try that sometime. That'd be funny. You should. That'd be yeah. great. Just you to should, see their face like, uh, what? <laughs> you should, you should have like episode 10 should be a guy from off the street and it's just called random guy episode 10. And then you go, so what, what are you, what are you up to? And they start telling you, and then you try to develop an interesting conversation, see what you can learn from them. Exactly. And then he'll tell, he'll give you the same, uh, lessons that the other person has learned, but through a different experience, there's an idea that would be fun. <laughs> I'm a lawyer. Oh, uh, let's see. Okay. I don't know anything about lawyering. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Before we move too far, I just thought of something based on your last question as far as like where I would like to see this going, where I want to take it. I would love to yeah. incorporate a little bit more video production into it. So you you made mention of my intros and stuff like that. And I like to try and make like a little trailer where I actually go out and I shoot this person in like whoever I have on the episode and their kind of their environment a little bit. I would like to be doing that more, but actually make it into a... Um, I don't know. It depends on the person, but like more of like a specific film about that person with content from mm-hmm. the uh, the podcast itself. So that's really interesting. You uh, you do that, those really well. I found them on Instagram, the, your okay. short little trailers, and I thought it was so interesting that you that this was this was a trailer that's about a person walking through you know New York City about this long form conversation, and it's like a weird intro to them. It's it was beautifully done. I, I thought Thank that you. was quite interesting, and I can I think I can see where you would where you're talking about wanting to go with it, and that sounds that sounds quite interesting. Did you are you interested in documentary films? Is that a big thing for you? It is. Yeah, uh, it has always been 
kind of my main interest since I got started in the film business. Uh, and luckily enough, a lot of brands started kind of jumping on and telling these short documentary style uh, stories for their companies. Um, and so I've tried to tap into that a little bit. Uh, I've only done, I think I've done maybe like one feature documentary length type thing years and years and years ago. I haven't really kind of gotten back into it, but I really do want to. I think the films that I enjoy the most are that type of thing. Like, have you heard of the film Free Solo? Oh, that sounds very familiar. Yeah. It's, Is it, it's, a, it's about a climber, I would assume? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's I'm obsessed with it, and the guy that the the director of that, Jimmy Chin, I love his style of doing things. I'm like really big into the outdoors and stuff like that. So that would be the ideal scenario, I think, mm-hmm. <laughs> down the road. And like, those are the things I enjoy the most mm-hmm. that I relate to at least. Mm-hmm. When I was growing up, I spent an enormous amount of time watching documentaries, whether it was nature documentaries or just whatever was on National yeah. Geographic. And I was cool. always so fascinated. Specifically when I would come across really very raw documentaries about something that that had these long drawn out shots and interviews with long pauses and they Mm -hmm. let the long pause in the interview because it was about demonstrating some level of emotion that the person was feeling. These like these things that if you're making a video for YouTube today, they're like, hey, no, everybody's going to click off. Don't do that. It's, this is risky, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, these people would do these really interesting things, and it made me feel connected to the, the people in the documentary. I've always been fascinated by that. The Documentaries have always been my books, I think, because I, okay, really, yeah. I don't really read stuff, but I've always been fascinated by this idea of using a really, you know, whether it's simple or complex, camera, mic, setup, following somebody around and letting them tell their ridiculously interesting story. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what, for me, is, is led into a lot of what I've done and including this. One of the things that I, one of the reasons why I love doing this in particular is because I've, I've worked at a production company, but I've done a lot of different uh, uh, video projects that involve me interviewing people. Sure. And yeah. I there were things that I and there are things that I enjoy about making videos, and there are things that I don't enjoy so much. And I found that that was one of my favorite things was just sitting down and having the conversation and figuring out how to like get inside their head and pull that thing out, pull mm-hmm. something out that's inside of them because I know they have something interesting to share that nobody's ever really. They haven't really turned the knob the right way, right? They haven't pushed the fader in the right direction to get the person mm-hmm. to, to share that in just that right way. And that, to me, is a really interesting art form, and I'm trying to do that every day. Do you, yeah. do you feel like it's similar for you, or is how is it different if it's different? Yeah, it's interesting that you say that. Um, I agree with you. It's For me, it's uh, you're trying to build trust with somebody and trying to... Um, it's a very personal thing. I think if you're going to be the person that's having that conversation, trying to bring those things out of there. So, uh, I'm a people person. I like talking to people. I like hearing people's stories, you know, all, all of those things. And, and I do enjoy that process of being able to sit down and I, I always go into interviews cause people, people, when you stick a camera in their face, they always get kind of stressed out. They never know what to say. Right. So it's always, and I've been saying this since I started like get like got going in the industry a long time ago. Cause I, I quickly realized that 
the minute you stick a camera in somebody's face, they get nervous. So you have to really just try and get them to, to forget about that and just make it between you and them, right? Forget about a everything behind. Mindset shift, for sure. Yeah, you just have to, like, it's similar to the podcast thing. It's like, it's just a conversation. You're just having a conversation. You have to build that trust. You have to build that relationship in that short period of time. If you're going to get, it depends on the story you're telling and the person you're talking to, but if you're going to get the emotion and the words that you want from them that you know it's going to take to make that story, then you really, it, it becomes a lot more about building that solid relationship and a lot less about filmmaking and stuff like that. To me, to me, it feels like a fun game. Yeah. Trying to get them to be comfortable, get them to uh, shift out of their camera personality into their mm-hmm. their authentic personality exactly you kind of have to be chameleon, a chameleon too in the sense that you have to be able to shift and adapt your personality to fit their comfort uh their comfort zone and who they are as an individual i've noticed that like while i may be somebody that enjoys you know small talk and laughing and telling good jokes and kind of being lighthearted in my conversations, the person that you're talking to may not be. So you kind of have to adapt who you That's are. That's a fantastic point. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's weird because um, just because you're a people person does not mean that you'd be a good uh, documentary interviewer, director, whatever it may be. Right. You kind of mm. just have, you have to be able to adapt on the fly and read the person that you're talking to because if they're not comfortable because of who you are it doesn't like it doesn't it, it, it sucks because you'd love to be able to say oh just be yourself that's all you need to be but it depends on what you're doing because sometimes that doesn't work and if you're trying it doesn't matter if you are just being yourself and you're funny and you're a good person or whatever if they're not responding correctly to you and they're the ones on camera you're not doing your job so you kind of have to be able to to adapt yeah and establishing a connection with somebody is something that doesn't always work when you're just trying to be yourself. I've learned that it's a good idea to try to mirror the other person in some way. Our Mm -hmm. conversation has a different cadence than a conversation I would have with uh, my friend Austin on here. Sure. And every conversation has a different feeling to it. You have two different people with a bunch of different versions of their personality. I don't think this idea that we are a single expression of ourselves is very true. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I no. think that we have a lot of different personalities at any given time, and people pull more of, of that personality out of us uh, than this other person than this other person will, right? Yep, exactly. Uh, this person might pull out the more calm side. This person might pull out the more hyperactive side. And they're, they're all very useful, but you have to, you don't have to. It's a good idea if you're trying to connect with somebody and have a conversation with them that feels really deep and meaningful. And uh, at the end, they feel like it was a special experience. What, to do that, it's a good idea to, uh, to mirror what they're up to. To, sure, yeah. to pay attention to their hand movement. So I watched a video a while back and it was like, basically if you, if somebody, if you're talking to somebody and they have, you know, they're, they're doing this thing where they put their hand on their face. Like I've been doing this, this entire conversation <laughs> where you put your hand on your face. If you mirror them physically, they'll feel a connection to you because of that. Sure. Yeah. And Even in this, in the subtle things, we, whether they know it or not, it, it's on a subconscious level sometimes, right? It's 
they they may not notice it and be like, oh, he's doing that. I feel good, or whatever. It just may it'll just make them feel hmm. better. Or like this person's this person. Oh, this person's cool. I can I can ride with him. Yeah, and, exactly. In 1970s terminology, I don't know if people say that anymore. Uh, <laughs> uh, I can I can roll with this man. Yeah, that's uh, it. because <laughs> because maybe you're loud because you responded to them being loud. Or maybe you're quiet because you realize they're a bit more of a subtle, introverted type. Sure, yeah. And that stuff's really fascinating to me. Um, and do you do you feel like it's a constant sort of adapting to the other person as you're talking? Uh, it depends. It depends on the scenario, mm-hmm. I think. Um, but more or less, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you have to, like, you have to... Uh, be on their level because we're used to doing this, right? Like we think about this a lot and I've spent a lot of time thinking about how I want to be on a podcast or that kind of thing. Um, but then you kind of have to read the room, read the person that you're talking to and get on their level, uh, for a variety of reasons, you know, you want the podcast to go well and they want them to be comfortable. So it does go well. Uh, yeah, that's I think that's that's the main thing. Mm-hmm. The the interesting balance is finding, be expressing yourself and the things that make you unique, mm-hmm. and copying them. Or I, I wouldn't yeah. even call it copying. I, I like the word mirroring better because yeah, it's not yeah. this blatant rip off of who they are, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's this weird harmony that you have to strike between the two, and when it comes together, it's real. It's a really special thing. Yeah, yeah it's. Yeah, you're no, I was gonna say you're 100 right. Like there, it's it's weird because like sometimes you'll overstep in like say you're going down the root of your personality or whatever. Like I've said jokes that have completely fallen flat, and it's kind of like okay, so this you get a quick realization of like what kind of person this is, and that isn't gonna you know get rid of your jokes for the rest of the hour long podcast. It's not gonna work. <laughs> Another thing that I heard is that. If you want to pay attention, if you want to know what somebody's feeling about their interaction with you, mm-hmm. we like to think that maybe we should pay attention to their mouth or something like this, right? Uh, if you pay attention to their eyebrows, if they're actually oh. really interested in what you're saying and something's intriguing to them truly, and they're not just sort of fake intriguing it, their eyes, their eyebrows will go up naturally and they won't even realize it. I thought that was a really interesting insight. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be looking for that now. I, yeah, that is interesting. Yeah, uh, are, are some conversations harder for you than others to sort of navigate? Yeah, I've noticed that, uh, and maybe it's a little bit more on me. I just have to do better prep work. But talking to people that are working in a or you know yeah, like I have an easy time talking to other creatives, uh, specifically filmmakers, photographers, that kind of thing, because it's just something that I have thought about exclusively for the better part of 10 years. Mm. So uh, it's very easy to Lots talk to Lots of relatability like as well. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but I, like I said, I'm trying to expand that because, you know, I want to learn from other people that aren't strictly in, in the creative business. Uh, but I have found those a little bit more difficult because while they, uh, you know, are very well-versed in the various conflicts that are happening in South Sudan, for example, I am not. And so it is difficult to keep up with some of that uh, sometimes and not sound like you are an uneducated, you know, Mm. buffoon. So Mm -hmm. um, 
and you know, maybe that is more or less just me overthinking things, which is a quality of most creatives, I think. But uh, those I have found to be interesting, and they never are as bad as you think they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, that just comes into preparation on my end, I think. I found that there's a dramatically different experience from having the conversation to listening back to the conversation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and sometimes it, you'll feel like you have a great conversation. And you listen back, you're like, oh, dear God, what happened there? And yeah. sometimes it'll be the other way around. Sometimes it's it's like you're trying to get your way through and it's very uncomfortable. And then you'll listen back and you're like, that was smooth. I did something. Yeah. I did something special there. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> get yeah. stoked on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like, ah, Okay. So I want to talk about your freelance work because you have a lot of experience at uh, your production company and working with different clients doing commercial work. And I came across your Casper ad. Well done. Oh, cool. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate that. And I'll say this very quietly. I just got a Casper pillow for my wife, but she can't know about it yet. So, okay. I'll have to give it to her tonight because she, oh, she doesn't watch my videos. Never mind. So. This podcast is not sponsored by Casper. <laughs> she, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm excited to try the pillow myself. I might steal it from her. So yeah. uh, why did you choose that path, freelance, or, mm. or working, doing commercial work and the, the, the stress-inducing situations that can come along with that? Um, just be – a lot of the work that I was enjoying watching – was and a lot of the directors that I look up to and enjoy their work right now are commercial directors. I think that there are as much as there are the um, like I loved doing the caster spot, but as much as there are those kind of uh, branded spots like that, mm-hmm. there are lots of brands out there doing really great filmmaking commercials. And the difference is that brands are putting money into it. So, uh, it's, it's easier to do things when there's a budget behind it. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's just where I wanted to take my career and the products I wanted to work on. Uh, you're working with professionals always, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas before in my career I was doing, you know, I was producer, director, shooter, editor, sound guy. I was doing it all. And I did that for like seven years and I was just kind of like, okay, enough of this. Yeah. Uh, and now you get to work with like, you know, some of the best people in the industry and it really from, from somebody that is more of a creator than a producer. Cause I was, like I said, uh, I was a producer and that's a lot of spreadsheets and stuff like that. Lots of numbers, lots of budgeting. And while I can do it and I completely appreciate people that do do that, that wasn't for me. Uh, I was spending more time doing that and a lot less time creating and the projects were suffering. Mm. Now I get to work with producers. That's all they do. They're so good at it. And everybody, you know, I'm just focusing on the creative and executing the filmmaking part of the project. And that's what I want to do. I want to really be focusing on that and make sure that the creative wasn't suffering. And that's kind of the reason I chose to go down that route. Mm-hmm. So you, so you've seen the value in splitting up the, mm-hmm. um, splitting up the, or delegating your work to other people. And may, so that way you can focus on the things that are more interesting to you. A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. And it's been honestly, like you, you mentioned, like it is a stressful world sometimes, but it is a world that I love. Mm. Uh, 
it is there. I don't know. There's nothing better than wrapping a project and just like being there with this army of people and just like this is, this was my family for the last 14 hours of like ass kicking. We got through it. We got an awesome product out of it, and everybody's super stoked on it. Uh, it I don't know. It's it's amazing. Everybody's at the top of their game. Like I said, you get to work with these like talented people that just like love what they're doing too. It's just. Nobody hates it. It's it's I don't know. It's just a way much funner experience for me, and it always comes out with a better product because of it. Yeah, well, yeah, and this communal effort of having everybody come together to towards an end goal makes yeah. for a bigger end result. And there's like a difference between the freelance uh, single shooter and editor mm-hmm. and everything world and this because in the freelance world, it's sort of like you just scrap your way through it you come out at the end you feel really good about yourself you feel like you accomplished something but in in this case with you it probably feels like at the end you and a team built a 747 together yeah exactly yeah and yeah you got to share the experience with a bunch of people uh filmmaking is a collaborative effort commercials are collaborative there are so many people involved uh you know whether it be the client the advertising agency me as the director the cinematographer, you know, the editor. There's just so many professionals involved, so many skilled people at their craft involved that, like, I think I think that's what I love more most about it is is because I used to edit stuff on my own and 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 now I get to go and sit with an editor after they've gone through all the footage and made like an edit on their own and it's kind of like oh man mm. I didn't see it going that way that's amazing like it's it's always it's a surprise it's it's so much fun working with these people that bring something to the table yeah yeah and you get to see where your strengths and weaknesses are oh yeah definitely <laughs> you, you get to see that this person you thought you were an amazing editor until you worked with this guy yeah. and he's doing stuff you never would have you, you never would have come up with you never would have dreamed of doing and it exactly. takes it to a new level and it challenges your humility for sure 100 percent. yeah um yeah what so what what is what makes it more, what's the more stressful side of this? Um, the money side, like it's just, uh, you know, more money means more, um, areas to, you know, drop the ball, I guess, in a way that like more building to crumble. Yeah, exactly. And that's what it is. It, it like everybody, um, it is nice because like, it's easier to get your ideas done. Uh, in like a professional manner, I guess, and and uh, and get those visuals across the way you want to, and and the the story told the way that you want to. But uh, definitely, um, there is a time where you kind of uh, you you know you sell through the job, and they're like, okay, cool, here's this like that budget, and it's kind of like, oh crap, like I could really screw this up and end my career right here and now. So. Yeah. Um, at least that's the way it was for the first few. And then you kind of get used to it, and it's kind of like you, you learn how to manage those things. I think that the one thing that is always uh, the most stressful is um, is bidding on jobs because most of the time you're I'm bidding against two other directors. Oh, okay. So uh, it's, Never dealt you know, with that. That's interesting. Yeah, so it's interesting. It's fun. It you know it makes you bring the best out sometimes. But like you put a lot of work into your pitches. You put a lot of work into your treatments. And um, I don't know. It's weird. I I may be the only one, but I usually leave my pitches being like, oh, I rocked that. Like that's mine for sure. Mm-hmm. 
and like I don't get it. So right. <laughs> it's it's always it's always um, a little bit stressful because it's kind of like you don't know how other people are thinking of it, right? Like maybe your idea just isn't as good as somebody else's, but you learn how to uh, use that to your advantage and enjoy the process as long as you're not losing every bid. If you're losing every bid, then that you know probably be stressful and hard. Would you say that you enjoy the communal video creation process more than you enjoy the the solo freelance working process? A hundred percent. Yes. Uh, yeah. Some of my best friends are people that I've met within the last couple of years that I talk to regularly and it's always a collaboration. And the cool thing is people always forget this. And like I said this before, uh, one of the guys I talk to the most is a producer. And as soon as I have an idea, I'll call him up and be like, yo, how much is it going to cost to do this? Can I do this for X amount of money? Blah, 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 blah. And, you know, that is a creative collaboration that people don't think about, but it's a very important one. Um, I, you know, likewise with a cinematographer, it's kind of like I love personal. I love shooting stuff on film. I do a lot of my still photography on film just as like an artistic outlet. Um, and so whenever I think of an idea for like a short film or something that I want to shoot on film, I call this guy. and I'm like, hey what would it take to do this? Like, yeah. what do you think about doing this? And so it's, it's very, and I love that. I love being able to run ideas past people, um, to take it to the next level. Whereas before you kind of have an idea and you don't really know if it's bad till you try it and mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. So, well, you're um, just trying to keep the whole thing moving, keep everything together and hopefully you can actually get something useful out of this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, yeah, I, I gotta say that it is, because there, in filmmaking, there are so many moving parts. It's really nice to have multiple people looking over those moving parts, and being part of the team. Mm. With the collaborative effort, I feel like you don't have time to get selfish, and in your head about stuff that you can so easily get into as a creator. Mm-hmm. Working with a bunch of people around you. If you're on the set of Star Wars, you don't have time to be frustrated because you said something, you you were interacting with one of your your fellow men and you said something in a way that you didn't feel so good about. It's like you don't have time, you have work to do. Yeah, exactly. And that's something that, I'm primarily a solo creator, but that's something that I really love about working with other people. Yeah. The whole train moves together, you know? Exactly, yeah. And and like you said, even, Where was I going with that? Uh, If you do get in your own head about anything, there are those people to pull you back into reality, which is really nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you also are being inspired by the way that they handle their issues around you. So there are things about people (laughs) that I, when I interact with people that I really appreciate, there are different things about them that, that I really gravitate to and that I want to grow more of in myself. Mm-hmm. And so when you're collaborating with a group of, of different creators, there's a bunch of that going on and you're able to sort of pick and choose what you love about them and things that you would like to integrate into your own personality, into your own style. Yep. And if you don't expose yourself to that, if you don't, and this is the value of being in a creator community at all, mm-hmm. if you don't expose yourself to that, it gets, it gets, I suppose insular is the word. It gets, you go within and then you just do everything that you can do. But having having Jim over here who's really good at dealing with uh, pressure-inducing or anxiety-inducing situations, mm-hmm. watching how he handles that makes you go, oh, I, 
I'd like to have a bit more of that. And so it's this constant state of input output, I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's, that's awesome. That's interesting because I, I love hearing about how much you love that sort of dynamic because that dynamic can be a bit scary for a lot of people who are uh, smaller creators that really love to preserve their creative vision and they don't necessarily they don't necessarily like the idea of of working with other people in a way that makes things harder for them if they have a bit of an ego perhaps yeah well you know it's interesting it goes both ways because uh, and it depends on your role in whatever given production you're working on but um, I'll just use my example as or my situation as the example just because that's what I'm familiar with, but uh, as much as it is collaboration, you still have to hold on to your initial idea. So if you're the director, everybody's looking at you. Every idea, every direction kind of comes from you. Um, so you do have to have that initial vision, that you know, initial understanding of where you're taking it, uh, and then adapt uh, the, the, the suggestions or the collaborations that come up from the various people that you have on your set into your idea, if you believe that it's going to work. So, um, there are lots of similarities to be drawn, uh, between the two. And that's, and that's why, uh, I, I respect and I, you know, I love the, the, the YouTube community specifically because it's very fun to see these, these, these people, um, doing these things on their own, without a massive crew. And I think that's incredibly inspiring. It's kind of like, oh man, I wouldn't be able to do that on my own mm. ever. Good, good on them. But, uh, that being said, like if, if, if it is, you know, fear that's stopping them from doing something like directing something because they don't want to have to, they're worried about diluting their, their idea. I wouldn't worry about that too much because if, if they want to, if they're going to be the lead creative on it, then they're going to have, you know, they're going to lead the charge. Yeah, yeah. And I love to see movies by directors where you feel like the director maintained his vision well. Mm-hmm. And everybody was all working towards the common goal of helping him achieve his vision. Exactly. And they were and there was also respect. Like the director wasn't a tyrant. No. <laughs> he no, wasn't no. a dictator, right? There's this massive respect for what the director's trying to create and you if you listen to behind the scenes Uh, documentaries of movies, you'll hear a lot of people saying, I'm here to help him achieve what he's after. Yeah. And, or her. Yeah. And I think, I think that's a really special thing. We all know what can happen when you have creativity by committee. Yeah. (laughs) There can be a lot of downfalls. Definitely. So if you're speaking to somebody who wants to do what you do, wants to get to a, to a place where they're working on productions and they're a director creating mm-hmm. videos that they they feel really fulfilled about at the end of the day. Uh, what would you recommend to them? Ooh. I try That's to ask good one. questions. It's, hey, yeah. Uh, it's funny because I asked that question too. <laughs> but I've never, th- I've never thought of it uh, back this way. What are you uh, currently learning about that? Yeah, um... Something that I wish that I had done. Uh, it's interesting. My my path is one of those like zigzaggy ones that kind of like, and I, I'm still nowhere close to where I want to be at all. My eyes I'm are rolling because I'm resonating with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I wish that I got on more sets at a younger age and kind of got a lay of the land and saw how things worked. And then based on that, if you want to be a cinematographer, if you want to be a producer, if you want to be a director, find out how to shadow that role. You know, go hang out on set with somebody and just like, you know, stay out of their way, hmm. but watch them. Hmm. Uh, a lot of people right are Right on their back like uh, Yoda. No, it would be the hmm. other way around. You're Yoda and <laughs> the apprentice is, uh, is a smaller Yoda-sized new person mm-hmm. who's hopping on your back to watch what you do. Yeah, exactly. I just think I, I thought the analogy needed that extra bit of visuality to it. That's going to that's going to help a lot of people, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, a lot of people are very concerned about um, making money right away. And I understand that's a big part of it. But uh, so they'll start PAing. The issue with that is if you're going to be a PA, you're going to be doing everything but studying the position that you want to be in. Mm. So if you can afford to do it, you're going to be getting the coffee and Exactly. Things of that sort. Okay. Yeah, you'll be getting experience. You'll be getting on set, and you're going to be and like I'm. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm saying do both. Mm. Uh, and and it's it's it, you're you're studying because I I didn't do this. I just I kind of started peeing a little bit and and just started shooting and got into it and stuff like that. And so um, when I found myself being a director on a big production, I was kind of just like learning as I went. Which is also, you know, a fine way to do it if you're lucky enough to be in that position. But uh, I think that something that I would have really loved to have done personally is been on set and just studied mm-hmm. a director and just watched what they did. And it's kind of like, oh, that's how you do it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, outside of that, make projects, whether it be music videos. I did music videos. I shot some documentaries. Like I said, I was a DP for a while. So that got me on set seeing how directors worked and I shot for them. Um, so it's just you know, make, make stuff, make good stuff and work hard. The hustle does not stop ever. Mm. Uh, and just, yeah, I don't know. And also be collaborative. Yeah. Mm. Like everybody has something to share. You can learn from everybody. Um, don't be closed minded. Don't burn any bridges. It's a Mm. big one. How important is showing up and being actually a valuable person focusing on blessing the other people in the room more than they give to you oh that's it's everything yeah Yeah, it's uh it's important it's it's uh sometimes um sometimes it can be a thankless business uh especially when you're starting out uh if you're lucky you'll have a good producer that or you know a good project manager or coordinator or whatever that will um recognize the value that you bring and and you know show the appreciation but it can go the other way so, uh, just showing up and having a positive attitude and, and, uh, being willing to be that person to go above and beyond, no matter the circumstance as much as you can, uh, will always benefit you. Even if it doesn't seem like it is, it will always get you called back. Uh, it'll always get you a little bit further, uh, than the person that, you know, sits there and gripes about having to get the coffee. Like, I, I don't know. It's Yeah. Or just like, a lot of people, you when you interact with them, you feel like they're not necessarily about doing. They're not about taking care of you or taking care of the team. Mm-hmm. That they're there's a selfishness about them. Even though they're saying the right things, they're focused on 
what's best for them. Yeah. And maybe they, that's coming from, it's coming from many different places of trauma within them. But, uh, but I think that when I'm going into a room to meet new people and to create relationships with them, I try really hard to be somebody, somebody would want to be, would want to have as a friend. Mm -hmm. And I think that with any creative situation, I think you're better off focusing in that direction because I think when you go into rooms with people who are, whether they're intimidating to you or they're interesting to you and you, you want to get to know this specific person, it's easy to go in with all sorts of different versions of what you think you should be doing and get confused. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it tends to be about making yourself look interesting how can I make myself be an interesting human being to this person? But I think it makes more sense to try to be a good friend to whoever you want to think glad, you're interesting. Yeah, no, I'm glad that you brought that up because you're very right. It, um, I have found this industry to be not necessarily in like the, the, the community of creators necessarily, but when you're meeting with people that, you know, make those decisions on whether or not to hire you or something like that, um, a lot of it is based on who you know. And so, uh, you may be the best creative, the best, you know, filmmaker, the best, whatever it is that you are, but more often than not, um, or not, not more often than not, but sometimes that doesn't matter. You do mm. like, sometimes it's more about the kind of person that you are. Are you friends with that person? Do you have a good relationship with that person? So you're mm. very right in saying that when you go in, you know, be yourself when it comes to being creative and bring your creative chops to the table, but also be a friend to that person because that goes a long, long way. Nobody really wants to work with people that they aren't you know, pals with, mm. mm-hmm. or that you don't feel like they are going to help drive the whole operation forward. That they're they're on board for everything that's going to happen. Exactly. I think we sense that very quickly when somebody walks into the room. Yep, definitely. Yeah, and I think that you can have a fairly competent creator with excellent friendship skills. <laughs> And they're going to be more appreciated on a set or a gig or insert other creative gathering. They're going to be more appreciated than the person who has a ridiculous skill set, but they're, they're, you know, kind of a jerk. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And the competition out there is real now because there are lots of very friendly, very talented creators. So you can't really afford to not be a good person person. (laughs) That's a great point. That's a very good point. (laughs) That's awesome. Okay. I think the last thing I wanted to ask you was, uh, moving forward, what are your goals for yourself? What do you hope to see yourself achieve over 2019 and five years and that sort of thing? Mm. It doesn't Uh, have to be this grandiose. Yeah. For me, it's all incremental stuff. Yeah. No, I, 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 uh, would love to do a couple projects that really resonate with people. Uh, in like a, a very noticeable way, what that is, I yet I don't know yet. I uh, haven't thought of it, or you know whether it's a commercial that comes my or something like that. I would love to do that, uh, and then just be more focused on enjoying life. Uh, my wife and I like to travel a lot, so uh, just being able to spend time really kind of diving into that and making sure that we are uh, in our personal lives, really making sure that we're taking advantage of, you know 
where we are in life and, and, and enjoying those things. Mm-hmm. Very good. Mm-hmm. I've well, I've been really enjoying this uh, indie folk Christmas vibed environment behind you. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> I feel I feel like you're about to record an album. Yeah, and it's a- uh, my Christmas acoustic album coming out Christmas 2019. Great, and I've only known yeah. you for two days, but I would definitely buy that album. Just letting you know. Is this what every house it. looks like in Canada? Uh, no. <laughs> 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 no, this is uh, I don't know. This we we lucked out with a really nice apartment, so this is just. Uh, is that a bull yeah, was, head behind you? That's a Texas Longhorn. Heck yeah! Yeah, man, it's uh, a buddy of mine did a lot of work down in Texas a couple years ago, and he brought oh, some yeah. back with him, so he gave me one. Rad, cool. Yeah. Well, Jesse, thank you so much for giving me some of your time, man. I appreciate it. Of course, anytime. I uh, really enjoyed this. I did too, man. That is it for this one. If you listened this far, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Don't forget, I also have a video component of this conversation at home if you want to see our... Hi, interruption. I'm sitting in a coffee shop editing this, and I realize I said at home. I don't know why. I think I meant to say online. Who knows what James's brain thinks? Anyway, if you want to see our, our beautiful, elegant, warm... Uh, like scientifically beautiful faces, you can do that via the YouTube component of this podcast. James Red, just, just look him up. He's there. Okay, I hope you have a lovely day, and I hope it's productive. Goodbye.